0: send money internationally. With globalization taking place among businesses all over the world, it's not that surprising that the need to send money around the world is becoming much more common. And it's no longer the difficult, expensive thing it used to be, especially when you use TransferWise. Why should you use TransferWise? Three syllables. Exchange rate. When you send money abroad with most providers, they usually don't give you the real exchange rate. They mark it up. Remember, if the rates pretend, you must not send. TransferWise is different. TransferWise uses clever new technology, so you always get the real rate when you convert currencies. It lets you send money quickly and seamlessly between over 70 currencies. You only pay one small upfront fee and more of your money makes it to the other side. That's why The Economist says TransferWise takes a machete to the hefty fees other services charge. But you don't need to take their word for it. More than four million people are already saving. Sign up right now at transferwise.com slash yoga to test it out for free or download the app. Transferwise even has a multi-currency account that lets you hold over 40 currencies and convert them whenever you like. So test it out for free at transferwise.com yoga or download the app. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am talking to you right now from my guest room at home where I'm currently hiding away from my toddler on the floor, super sick. To be honest, it's not how I wanted to introduce this week's guest on the show. I'm kind of a mess and I apologize. Well, my guest today is someone who's a huge inspiration to so, so, so many. She's an entrepreneur, a leader in the world of business. She was named one of the richest self-made women in the world. She's resilient. As hell, founder and CEO of Girl Boss. Welcome to the show, Sophia Amoruso. Hi! <laughs>
1: wow, oh, what a great yay. introduction.
0: Yeah, did I did I nail it?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. So
0: this, yeah, thanks for being here. And I'm sorry, I'm 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 sick, but I I'm feeling better already. Just just hearing you on the line. Don't be sorry. Um, so <laughs> so I am yeah, feeling like this. I'm having one of those days where I feel like I have nothing together. How often do you feel like that?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, there's (laughs) so many days where I wake up and, you know, have no idea what's on my calendar. And I'm, you know, look at it that morning. And I'm like, well, do I have meetings or not? And if I have meetings with people, I don't know, I'll actually try and get dressed. And if I'm just kind of shuffling into the office, I'll put on whatever. But I rarely know what I'm doing the next day because it's just I show up and do whatever my calendar demands of me regardless. So, yeah, pretty often.
0: Pretty often. So you're pretty good with go- going with the flow then, not having to know everything that's next?
1: I mean, I I don't know if I would necessarily say that. I, I would just say that's a matter of not being as planful as I would like to be, but... Your question is more about control
0: and anticipating (laughs) and and not not having (laughs) not having
1: surprises. And I generally don't like surprises. And I, I don't know if anybody I know would call me someone who goes with the flow, unfortunately, but I would love to learn more about the flow, both in life and in yoga at some point.
0: Oh, man. Same. Um, um, um it's, it's a life learning, I yeah. think. <laughs> no, but really this morning when, because I feel like everyone, of course, have has days that are easier than others. And, you know, some days we are in the flow or going really easily with the flow and everything just works and then others don't. Do you have anything that you do to kind of help you out of a funk if you're having one of those days or do you just lean into it?
1: I... I try to exercise, I've been trying a little bit more. I went on a walk by myself up in the Hollywood Hills yesterday morning and this morning I got on the treadmill and then did some other stuff, just like a 15 minute little kinda cardio situation, just something to wake up my body really helps. But it doesn't, does, it's not like a silver bullet. Often, it's just kind of embracing the day and getting into it and showing up, like I said I would, and being with the team and making progress and not having enough time to really dwell on whatever I'm bummed out about. You know, I find that if I have too much time to think about whatever it is that, you know, I may be struggling with, you know, I end up really indulging in it. And that can be a dangerous thing. So maybe in some way that's a little bit avoidant. But I also find that it it all comes out in the wash, so to say. And that Mm. you know sometimes you just keep going and things work themselves out. But often that's also a way to avoid processing things. And I think I'm also pretty good at that too. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. It's that balance of of both, I think. Well, this show is called From the Heart. So speaking totally from the heart, 100%, how are you doing right now?
1: I'm not doing very well. I'm kind of in a funk. I'm trying to figure out if this is situational or depression, but I kind of haven't been this bummed in a long time. I've had a few things happen in my life that have made that worse, like, you know, really tough moments and, you know, life passages, things that are completely out of my control. And so I'm processing those things, but also haven't been in the space where I can really see beyond the current moment. And I'm just kind of getting by, which I wish I had another answer for, because I'm supposed to be resilient and inspirational. And I try to be but I also have my moments that are pretty challenging. And you know, the last few weeks have been that for me.
0: Well, sometimes that just sharing that is the most inspirational thing I find. As you just answered that question, I realized how, how many guests I've had on this show. And even though, you know, if we talk about vulnerability and it's from the heart, people rarely say anything other than, oh, actually, yeah, I'm really good, you know. Yeah. Um, so just yeah, for, You for would hear it in my voice. <laughs> you
1: would hear it in my voice. Like, I'm really good. Like, it would just, I don't even, I think people might see or hear through it.
0: Hmm. And how does that work for you in terms of of being busy? Because I find sometimes if we are in a funk that's lasting for more than a couple of days, if we have all of these commitments, it can kind of almost serve as an escape or yeah, like like we're avoiding what's actually there instead. Are you able to let yourself have the funk and then still continue with everything on your to-do list every day?
1: Yeah, I do. You know, I keep showing up as much as I often would rather not, but... It makes me feel good to make progress in my business and in my life and continue to do the things that, you know, nourish me and the people around me and giving up on those things. It's just like a much, the detriment it would cause to, you know, avoid those things could be as great as avoiding myself because I want to have all of that to come back to whenever I escape the funk. So I would say it's both. I go to therapy twice a week. My therapist's been out of town for two weeks. So I think that might have something to do with this.
0: (laughs) Maybe a little bit. (laughs) I think
1: so. Yeah. So I go twice a week in the middle of the day, which is pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm driving to Beverly Hills and back at like 2pm. And I, you know, work like 3045 minutes from there. So that I've never... You know, been that committed to anything like that, especially to blow a hole in the middle of my workday. But it's been really good for me. And I really, really like my therapist. And it's better than you know, driving during rush hour, I guess. And I often hang out on that side of town after therapy and have meetings or work out of this kind of like members club situation, like Soho House type thing for the rest of the day. So I can work a little bit remotely after that. Yeah, so I, I try to make sure that I'm actually processing things and I do bounce my you know thoughts and feelings off of other people and sometimes the, to the point of exhausting them, including my mom and friends. So I try to keep it for my therapist, but it's also really hard to. But the fact that I go twice a week allows me to, you know, not have 7 days where I'm like, okay, let me catch you up on my life where it's literally almost like a touch base meeting with or like a coffee with someone you're catching up with and this is what I did and then I did these other things. It's like, no, that thing I was processing 2 days ago, this is how it's, you know, evolved and let's talk about that and it's easier to remember what we were talking about last time rather than 7 days going by and feels like you're starting all over again. 50 minutes isn't a very long time to, you know, process anything. So i found that two days a week is really, really different than once a week.
0: Yeah, I, I really app- applaud that. We. What about therapy do you feel is... is- is what's working. Because sometimes I've heard, I mean, we, we practice something within the Yoga Girl community called sharing. Uh, we also call it the the art of holding space. And we do it in person. We also do it online. We do it in our uh, Facebook groups where you can either film yourself or you call someone on Skype or Zoom or you sit, sit face-to-face in a room and you put a little timer on three minutes or five minutes and then one person silently with love holds the space for the other person to share so without anyone kind of asking questions or no no advice giving allowed, just holding the space yeah and the other person shares and then you switch and I, I find that for people when we start that and then we stop it's almost like it's worse than what it was before yeah yeah And I was just relating that a little bit to what you just said about therapy. What do you feel is is working for you the most?
1: I mean, I think with therapy, having someone who's not like emotionally affected by what is coming out of my mouth is really good to have someone. You know, if I talk to my mom, she'll freak out and be like, oh, my God, I'm so worried about you. Everything's much more extreme for her. And then, you know, if I process it on my boyfriend, which I often do, you know, then that's what we're spending our time talking about. Even though, you know, I always, always will. I usually have like a full 24 hours worth of, you know, I could talk, you know, and process all day long, which is, you know, why I write and why I write books. Because, I can just do that endlessly. I would say it's also just having someone who seems to be really smart and makes interesting observations. I've been to therapists who are more like coaches and get involved and give you advice. And I'm not sure, you know, if I need a coach, I'll go to a coach. But for therapy, I think having, you know, this woman's more of an analyst, even though she's not analyzing me and it doesn't sound as Morgan Stanley or you know Freudian or whatever analysts are as it sounds and she does talk back you know I I, I you know but and, and makes interesting observations so I've been a therapist that don't say anything back to you and then I've been to therapists that and, and therapists that just repeat what you said and like just regurgitate hey. it to you which is like okay yeah I, I just said that What else? And then I've been to coaches, you know, I'm sorry, therapists who are really, really, you know, who I'm on text with all the time and who kind of blur the lines between personal and professional, which I used to really like. And now I think I'm realizing maybe that's not the healthiest. So the person I'm seeing now is someone who makes interesting observations and listens with empathy and isn't just like a a wall. You know, I'm not like talking to a, a wall but she also doesn't share anything about herself. So I've said, do you have kids? And she's like, what do you think? What do you think? And like, (laughs) won't answer me. Um, Yeah. It's so interesting. And I think that's better because it's not about her and I don't want to project or relate, you know, that's not about any of that. It's about her, like you said, holding space Mm -hmm. and for it to be about me and not for me to have any assumptions around who she is or, biases even Hmm. yeah so I'm really happy right now with with who I'm seeing
0: well tell her to come back (laughs) yeah I (laughs) know I know
1: (laughs) she was gone for two weeks and then I'm about to be gone for seven days so I think we have a phone call while I'm gone but
0: oh man yeah do you feel like going to therapy is something that could benefit everyone
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many of us, it's so wild when I hear there's two things that I just cannot even believe when someone says, I've never gotten a massage (laughs) and then (laughs) I've never been to therapy. Like, I'm just like, what? You've never gotten a what? (laughs) I think processing our childhoods, our lives, all times is really important because those things are always in flux to just kind of power through without examining your life. Feels like a waste. So, for anybody, regardless of whether you're happy or sad or had a happy childhood or think you don't have anything to work on, you know, getting in touch with yourself and hearing what comes out of your mouth when you just have a space to talk about what's going on in your life and leave room for that because it's important and it's so easy to make that like your last priority. And I find that having having time on the calendar to do it and someone you're paying and you pay whether you show up or not, similar to a personal trainer or a yoga class. I mean, you're going to pay, you know, whether you go or not, so you better show up. And that kind of accountability, I think, is also a really good thing.
0: Right. And I feel like, especially, I mean, in the the Western world, we put so much emphasis on body and the health of the body and, you know, fitness and wellness and all these things. And then I think often overlook our emotional state or we overlook what goes on in our minds which I think is a bigger piece oftentimes we see symptoms or results of things not working from what happens in our minds or from carrying really painful wounds or baggage from the past Mm -hmm. so everything I mean it's and that's also what yoga teaches you know the union of everything being connected and and one Mm. do you have yoga experience
1: I've taken yoga classes many times. I'm very, very particular about the instructor and the way they describe things or don't describe things. I don't like loud Mm -hmm. yoga classes Mm -hmm. and and I've been to them. I'm really picky about the music. I also am picky about the energy of the yoga instructor. There's people who you can tell they're using yoga as like a currency or eat for egotistical reasons. And so it's really a mixed bag when you go to yoga classes. If you don't have you haven't found an instructor that you're really, really, you know, stoked on. I find that to be challenging. I would like to my back is starting to fuse into like a single just like a rod or something like I'm not <laughs> like I just like I'm about to turn 35. And I just feel like I bend over and my back's like flat. And I'm like, this is oh, not, man. this isn't going to be great in 10 or 20 years. So,
0: you know. but in LA, there are so many options, you know, there's, I mean, it's true. You have to know where to go and find a really good person, but you have options about over there. Mm-hmm.
1: What, I mean, I'm sure your audience already knows the answer to this, but just for myself, talking to someone who has so much experience with yoga and has seen yoga change so many people's lives, like what could yoga do for me? That's my question for you is like, you know, at its best, if I were to take it up, what might I expect?
0: I think at its best, so everything that happens at the therapist's office, all of that processing, you know, all the things that ever come our way in our lifetime, it also relates really deeply to the body. So if we've ever had trauma or even, you know, large or small trauma means different things to different people. But all the things we never were able to process at a certain time, it's scientifically proven that the body holds on. For people that have been through trauma, the nervous system keeps vibrating at this kind of different level than people who haven't had trauma in their lives. So processing it with your mind and speaking about it is one thing. And then there's processing through the body and letting the body release Energy or patterns of energy or energy holds that we've had maybe throughout our whole lives, which is why you know when we actually find a teacher we can trust because trust is without trust, if you don't feel trust in your yoga class leave, if you don't trust a teacher don't stay. It's the most important thing. But if you find a teacher you can trust and you can really guide you into the body into your breath. You know, it's so common to have emotional releases in, in yoga class or to have big epiphanies or realizations about yourself afterwards or for yoga to start becoming something more than just a pose or a down dog because the body is, is a big piece in terms of how we process and release.
1: Do you do yoga every day?
0: I do, but it doesn't look like yoga every day. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll roll out my mat and I just sit there Mm. And I felt like, well, at least I sat on my mat today. Or sometimes I roll up my mat and then I realize I have, a, I always bring a notebook to class because the to do list in my mind is really long. And sometimes I can't focus or feel present unless I get everything on paper first. Interesting. You know, it looks different all the time. It doesn't have to be this handstandy, 60 minute flowy thing, mm-hmm. you know, it can just be time time for you
1: is that the only exercise I'm going to stop interviewing you after this but is that your only <laughs> exercise or do you like run do you do anything else
0: no 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 no. I run after my child but no just, just <laughs> yoga okay but yeah but Got of it. course you know your back back pain and stuff like that you've heard too that's one of the reasons I found yoga actually we didn't yeah. talk about that yet I had a lot of back pain so it can really help wow. if you if you want to take you know I can send you some suggestions of great teachers I know in LA if you want some some,
1: some I would hips. love that I would love that <laughs> okay
0: Okay, well, back to you. So I took questions through social media to have, I told everyone you were coming on the show, and people were so specific. I mean, I don't think I've ever received this amount of really intricate, detailed, specific questions all about business. People were asking, Can you please ask Sophia if I should stay in college or quit and start my business?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> it's
0: like, I think that's a, you know. A kind of tough thing to answer, but for people, you know, if if anyone's listening has been living under a rock for a decade, or you know, we have a lot of people from Europe and not living in the U.S. also listening. Maybe they're not familiar with Girl Boss or with you in a big way yet. You started your own business in your early twenties out of absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. right? selling vintage clothes on eBay, and then you grew that into a hundred million dollar business in just a couple of years. We, we talk about intention a lot on this show, knowing the why behind working toward your dreams. What was your why in terms of starting yeah. Nastigal?
1: Yeah, so I was 22. My last job was working in the lobby of an art school checking student IDs and telling people to sign in and that admissions was on the second floor. I was a, like a security guard that they didn't have to pay as much for cuz I wasn't part of a union. <laughs> and I wore a really shitty uniform. I think it was like the same for men and women. It was like a super, super stiff white shirt and then like basically like (laughs) giant dumpy black dickies. You know, I had some time to kill in this lobby and I was on eBay looking at, you know, vintage clothing and saw what these eBay sellers were fetching. And, you know, I thought Hate Wheat Street was expensive and these girls were, you know, and I think, you know, you may have been over there like Sweden was, you know, they were like, I don't know if the dollar was really you know strong over there or what but you know Europe and Australia I think the U.S. dollar was really low Um, a lot of international buyers were like okay I'll pay $200 for this because it's like dirt cheap you know in my currency and so I saw what what these girls were fetching I knew where to find vintage just like that and watched them and learned and saw what What was working for them, and started this little thing called Nasty Girl Vintage. And, you know, it was, you know, I'd never made probably more than $25,000 in a year, probably because I jumped around a lot and not everything worked in the beginning. And I tweaked and I tweaked and I learned. And I, you know, if something didn't work, I didn't do it again. And if something worked, I went and found more stuff like that. And I saw the closing prices at the end of the auctions for my competitors and said, okay, like that furry vest or, you know, that baby doll dress or whatever it was in two thousand seven that was popular. Like I'm gonna go find that. So I guess the why was I didn't I wasn't good at working for other people. And I found that I don't, you know, I was always waiting to have this one talent. Like, I'm going to be a musician or I'm going to be excellent at this one thing. And it turned out I was like pretty good at a lot of things. And I was really good at connecting with, the, you know, uh, this girl and building a brand that had a voice and felt like Nylon fu- Magazine was really big at the time. And, you know, I was inspired by their voice and how conversational it was. And, how like, you know, how unstuffy they were compared to other women's magazines. And, and I I guess the other why was, yeah, that I got to follow my nose. And if I sold something, I got to reap the rewards of that. If it did well, I made a little bit more money, you know, and I didn't spend it. But it was amazing to see how happy people were with, you know, what I had gone and scavenged for and made look really beautiful. It was like this type of alchemy taking something that really has no actual market value. I wasn't selling designer clothes. I would find something that was really cool and at goodwill would be worth $8 or $6 and then put it on a really cute girl, style it in a way that someone would actually wear it. And put it on eBay, and it became something totally different. It became something that a girl absolutely loved, and that was an amazing feeling to, you know, turn shit into gold. In some ways, um, and to breathe new life into these things that could have ended up in a dump somewhere. Um, so I guess those those were my those were my whys to really feel the like reward of my my labor for the first time. You are listening to From the Heart
0: Conversations with Yoga Girl. I think it's so funny to think about how my time spent with girlfriends has totally changed since having a baby. We used to go out, go dancing, have some drinks, stay out late, and now we do play dates with our babies instead. They usually all come over to our house, we swim in the pool, we play, and of course we bake banana bread. I love baking and I'm a huge fan of banana bread. Actually everyone is. That's probably why my play dates are such a huge hit. Leia Luna is a huge fan too, but she loves yelling NO at me whenever I try to get her to eat anything eventually she always gives in thank god because there's nothing like a little banana bread some vegan butter and a glass of almond milk after a full day of fun I make my own banana bread from scratch and you can smell it all throughout the house. My recipe has four of the ripest bananas you can possibly find. The riper the bananas are, the more sweet and gooey the banana bread is going to become. After that, I add some vegan butter, some baking soda, coconut sugar, maybe some maple syrup, pinch of salt, coconut oil, chia seeds, vanilla, chocolate chips and walnuts on top. And of course, to put it all together, Bob's Red Mill gluten-free one-to-one baking flour. Lea loves to help me mix everything up. Her favorite thing to say right now is, oh my God, this is so cool. And then she'll drop something on the floor and say, Ringo did it. We have so much fun baking, and it's a really great way to laugh and bond. Sometimes we have a little banana bread over for Dennis as well. Well, Bob's Red Mill feels like family. They are an employee-owned company, which I love, and they really take everything families want into consideration. All their products are organic, gluten-free, stone ground, healthy, and super delicious. I stock up on all their products in the grocery store. If you want to learn more about this awesome brand, make your own banana bread at home and check out their products and recipes, go to bobsredmill.com. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at OSEA. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code YOGA at OSEAMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEAMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Back then, did you have this idea of success? Is it also something that's morphed for you? I mean, it really has for me, but throughout the years, back then, could you envision this turning into something with hundreds and hundreds of employees?
1: No, Um, never, never. Twenty-two? No. I mean, I had like a couple employees. You know, at first, in the first year and a half, I didn't have anyone. It was just me, and then left eBay, started you know nastygal.com hired someone to help me ship stuff and write customer descriptions and measure garments and oh, I'm sorry write product descriptions and measure gar- garments and I did all the photography and you know and and marketing and you know buying and all of the things that required like my eye but I never thought in a million years it would become as big as it did I never in a million years thought That at that time that it would like buy me a house or or any kind of a car or I mean I remember years in I finally saved up enough to put half down on a used Nissan and that was like my proudest moment and I've bought really nice cars since then but they will never be as exciting as that Nissan
0: Mm.
1: and so I guess what was your question
0: <laughs> no, um, but as it grew, I mean, yeah. in, in, in envisioning that success no, in that place, never, never. I I, I watched that. I mean, like so many people did the the Netflix show mm-hmm. of uh, made, made of you. Did you did you love it? Did you like it? Did you agree with it?
1: I liked it. There was a lot of you know fictionalized characters and you know things that happened. It was based on my real story, the overall arc is true, that I worked in the lobby and I sold, you know, vintage clothing on eBay, et cetera. It was really challenging to have a show made about my life while I'm still in the middle of it. And it also <laughs> happened at a time where Nasty Gal had ended. And the show was about someone who was 22 starting a company called Nasty Gal. So it was this wave of awareness of people being like, oh cool, you started this company called Nasty Gal. And actually, I was no longer involved with Nasty Gal. So the timing was really strange. I I liked the show. I thought it was super cute, just, you know, from an objective point of view, if that's even possible. I thought it was really cute. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was stylish. But also just personally, it was a really strange thing to have happen. I think usually people are a little bit older in their lives when a TV show is made about their life. So it would have been nice to have more life maybe behind me so I could have looked back with a little more clarity and not have been in the middle of it. But I mean, to be able to say that that happened is a really cool thing. It's legacy that's something that you know, if I have kids someday like they'll be able to see it. and I can look back at it in 20 years and be like, "Whoa, what a cra- what a crazy time. I can't believe anybody thought I was that special." <laughs>
0: Oh hell yes, what a crazy time! And I mean, it was a really entertaining show. If at the at the very least, uh, one of the or many questions came in for me to ask you, almost as if you were directing the show, like you created the show, you wrote the show. Uh, when is when is season two coming? And I know um they're they're not making any more seasons, but it mm-hmm. seems like the the general view is that that you were super involved. That that it's, it's something that you created.
1: Which but I know no I you know I, was I mean it's a, your life yeah I was no. an executive producer on it but I wasn't there every day I didn't even approve the scripts you know I didn't have it wasn't like I wouldn't say it like this or I wouldn't have worn that or you know it I really wanted to let great creatives do their jobs and the worst look for me would have been to meddle and be like please don't depict me like that you know and maybe I should have a little bit more because I think the character was perceived as being pretty abrasive but it, that's that's the risk you take I think when you let you know people have creative license telling a story about your life and I also was just far too busy to have actually gotten as involved as as I think maybe people thought I was
0: yeah no I can only imagine well because the where the show ended was kind of the um, yeah, as you said, a, a totally different time compared to real time, or a different stage in your life. But when you nastigal was at its peak, or with you in the peak of nastigal, what was that like? Did you ever have a moment where that you can look back at now, where you feel like maybe success got to you in a strange way? Yeah,
1: I think it totally got to me, and I even wrote in my book, you know, don't drink your own Kool Aid, and I think I may have done it. And I think it may be hard for anybody, or maybe impossible for anybody when your life is exploding like that to not let that seep in the Kool-Aid kind of shows up via osmosis even if you don't mean (laughs) to drink it it was a wild wild time you know I would every time I saw someone over the course of years they would congratulate me and and at that point I didn't know what for there were so many things that they could have congratulated me over whether it was opening, like what?
0: Give us some opening
1: yeah. a retail store, raising money from investors, getting engaged, you know, making an amazing hire or, you know, hitting a certain revenue threshold or you know, releasing a collaboration with a celebrity or whatever it was, like, it was, you know, launching a clothing line, doing a collaboration with MAC Cosmetics, like, making it onto the Forbes 30 under, 40, 30 under 30 and Fortune 40 Under 40 and the Inc. 500 and the Inc. 30 Under 30 and Vanity Fair's Best Dress list and the cover of Forbes and the cover of Entrepreneur. It was in a best-selling book, right? Like, dang, it, it was, <laughs> yeah. like, right? Like, all the lists. Like, it was, you know, it was was something I you know that was super duper fun and it doesn't last forever and thank god it didn't last forever because I don't know who I'd be if that became my life or who my friends would be or what I you know be surrounded by and if I'd really know what mattered but i mean champagne and oysters for everybody and trips across the world and really nice infinity pools and some fun shopping and you know, took a house down to the studs and, and remodeled it and will never, ever get my money back out of that house. But I got some nice limestone floors and bookmatched What's travertine.
0: The... <laughs> but... What's the stupidest purchase you ever made?
1: But... Um, I would say it's a, a mattress. I don't want to say what brand, but it was a mattress? mattress that cost the price of like a new car, like a like a I don't know maybe like a Dodge Neon or I don't even know how much are those even around you know I was like oh it's an investment I spend as much time in bed as I do I mean I, <laughs> I spent less time in bed than I did at work but it's like a lot of your time I'd say that and cars because you just lose you can never get your money back out I can buy and you know vintage furniture and resell it for something I can buy a house and resell it for something I can I mean, clothes aren't a super smart purchase, but you use them. I I don't know, but I would say like nice cars are just like such a waste of money. It's nice, but I'm just going to drive my Range Rover like into the ground for the next, you know, it's like a 2014 or something. I'm going to drive it for the next 10 years. You are listening to From the Heart, conversations
0: with yoga Girl. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process, well, especially for my business. I have workers around the globe in Sweden, Aruba and the US, and it can be so hard to know if I've reached that special candidate when I have an opportunity open. But today, hiring can be easy. You only have to go to one place to get everything done. ZipRecruiter.com yoga. Put your job posting on ZipRecruiter and they send your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job awards. It's as simple as that, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. So if you're worried about not reaching that perfect match, rest easy knowing that ZipRecruiter is out there looking for you. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day on the site. That leaves you time for more important things like actually running your business with a great team. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, slash yoga That's zepprecuter.com/y o g a. zepprecuter.com/yoga. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I was I was listening to a few interviews that you did just in preparation for this show and I heard someone refer to this Transition for you away from Nastigal as as the failure of Nastigal, and it was mm-hmm. for me like a huh, like that's a failure. It made me think a lot about the de- definition of fail- failing or definition of success, and and how maybe we have this idea that success has to be something that lives forever, mm-hmm. you know. And if that's the only idea of of success, then I don't know how or who many how many people in the world can actually claim that they have that. But what was that like for you? Was it a was it a failure for you?
1: you know, as much as I want to say failures, you know, uh, you only learn through failure, like all of that is true. And being a second time entrepreneur is a blessing. I get to start over with all the things I learned. And by the time I figured them out, I had inherited so much kind of gnarly momentum in my business after 10 years that undoing it, even though I knew what could have been done or should have been done when I was establishing the business and as it was scaling. Not saying I'm going to do it perfectly this time, but you know, to have that kind of perspective and be able to try again is is a pretty exciting thing. That being said, there's a lot of trauma that I'm still dealing with. And it wasn't about the loss of the company, it was about the noise from the outside. It was about the headlines and people and then even the Netflix series, people conflating the character with who I am. And of course, she's a nasty gal. And, you know, having to live down things that I never really intended to do. And I'm not a bad person. I just hired some of the wrong people and didn't know how to manage the culture and let, you know, cool kids be snotty and judgy with the rest of the team or You know, they were all like first timer mistakes. And I'm so in awe of my friends who are entrepreneurs who somehow sidestep that stuff. But also I was at the front like when you're you know, I was probably I was the poster child because I was like the youngest female entrepreneur who had gotten as far as I had, other than maybe Natalie Massinet from Net-a-Porter. It was like the era of that and Tony Shea from Zappos. Like there wasn't a lot of us doing e-commerce at the scale that I had gotten. And I think in some ways, because I was first or one of the first, I experienced more kind of debris than someone may now and I you know I have you know friend a friend who's running a very successful startup who said you know we, we you know I watched what happened to you and I'm making choices based on you know the results of some of the things that you know I would I wish I could do with my business but I'm gonna actually do the thing that's gonna keep me from having like crisis headlines even if the you know technically the right it's like what is the right thing to do when you're protecting a business that's really really hard because you have to make unpopular decisions that affect people but at the end of the day your job is to protect the overall business and the you know solvency of that business and that means yes you affect individuals but in the long run you're doing what's right for the greater team And so once you figure out that you have to stop taking care of individual people or having loyalty to individual people, which sounds like really fucked up, you know, that you would not be loyal to specific people, which I feel loyal to people in our business. I feel loyal. And I was and I think I, I think I took it too far because sometimes You can want to support someone through crazy scaling for a business, but also they're just not, they're set up to fail because you're putting everything on them, even though you want them to advance in their role and you don't want to hire anyone over their head because they're going to feel like they can't go from manager to director because now there's a director over them, but you're setting them up for, and the company up for success because Like they're they're going to hit a wall at some point and find their their point of in competency, I guess, which we all do. Like we hit that wall and then, you know, we move past it. But sometimes it's the expense at the expense of something that's not just yourself. So Hmm. failure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would like to reframe that word, but. Do I wake up many days or, you know, find myself in a, in a place that I found myself eight years ago, making similar decisions, dealing with similar things and find the fear of like, oh, my gosh, am I going to repeat my past like every day? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Do you feel like you've been able to close that chapter? Did you have space to, to grieve and find closure to really because now you're in a totally different place and you're, yeah. you know, doing something new. But did you have enough space for that then?
1: No. So. Just because I st- got up and started another business doesn't mean I'm resilient. It means I have a mortgage, right? And Girl Boss is an amazing opportunity that's meaningful to so many people. And it would be a disservice to the Girl Boss community, to my opportunity, my future, what we can build here to not take on Girl Boss. But I did it four months after Nasty Gal fell apart. I didn't have time to process and I had gotten divorced I mean I I was the six month period leading up to nasty yells bankruptcy that's how it ended we filed for chapter 11 I was on the cover of Forbes a month later my husband left me a month later I fell in love with an old friend and then Few months later my company went bankrupt so it was just this whiplash is and then and then four months later i started a company and the netflix series came out at the same time and there was just such a like so much noise around me of people judging me based on you know the company itself there were there's like a forum on the internet that says like i cheated on my husband and it's like he he fucking left me and like i can't i don't know how much i can talk about but it was just a lot. It it was it was a lot.
0: Do you feel like do you feel like just for another angle of this? If you were a man mm-hmm. and and had started this company and and ev- everything you know the same, but you were a man, do you think you would have had the same backlash that you had with media and blogs and forums and uh, and things like that, or do you think it's it was no. harsher because you're a woman and young?
1: I think it was harsher for sure because I'm a woman and young, but I also think it was because I was so loud. I was so loud as this like poster child for entrepreneurship before this wave of amazing female entrepreneurs who are now like on Girlboss Radio and speaking at our conference. And there wasn't as many of us. And I was everywhere. And I was the rags to riches story. and Now I'm like the I don't know, resilience story or something. I'm trying to figure out how to actually live up to that because that's what people perceive. Mm. Um, But I think when you're like out there that much, you're signing up for it to a certain extent. But I I also don't think that I would have received as much blowback if I was a dude.
0: No, I mean, I even had it in the in the in my intro for you for the show. Because, okay, you think about Sophia, you think resilience, like whoa, because what you're creating now with Girl Buzz is so amazing. And it, it from the outside it looks like you you said, ah, okay, this didn't work, done with that, let's do this, yay. Mm-hmm. But of course, the, the reality of the situation is a totally different thing. A question that came in a lot was how how do you get back up, or do you have any tips for someone who might be in a place right now where they feel like maybe their business isn't working or they don't know if, if it's going to work or they're in a place where everything just feels really, really hard business wise or as an entrepreneur, do you have any advice for someone in that place right now?
1: I would say if it's hard, it's good because when it seems easy, that's when you don't see the the stuff cropping up that's actually happening under the surface because everything seems great. So when things are hard, it means like you're in it. And you're seeing all of the things that are happening and could happen and you're aware of you have a periphery of what could happen in your business. When things are easy, it's easy to get lazy. I do think like success, quote unquote, or, you know, when our business hits a stride, it's the best thing ever. But you still have to be as vigilant as you were when it felt like it was all going to fall apart. So I would say it's important to embrace that because it's totally normal and you're not alone. And if you weren't experiencing that, you'd probably be doing the wrong thing. In terms of getting back up, you just get back up, right? Like, your life depends on it. Your rent depends on it. Your reputation can depend on it. Your resume can depend on it, you know, regardless of what you're doing. That's been how I work. Do I really admire the people who take time off and go to Costa Rica and process things and reconsider what they want in life and don't maybe chase the same thing. Or even if they have a great opportunity in front of them, like I have had with Girl Boss, and I do stop and say, like, what do I really, really want? And sometimes things emerge from taking that kind of space that you would never be able to anticipate. And that's something I would love to do at some point because I haven't taken that space between relationships and between businesses. And I think there's like, you know, I'm carrying around a certain amount of baggage just dragging like by my ankles. But at the same time, I'm also really proud of, of what I'm doing and what we're building here. And I kinda can't imagine doing anything else. I wouldn't wanna be doing anything else. So I would say what feels right for you, you should do. If you can't afford to, take that time I might recommend it, but I can't recommend it from experience. It seems like a smart thing to do, and that's the advice everyone gives, and there has to be a reason why everyone gives that advice. But,
0: I mean, you're also... You're also in therapy twice a week. I mean, maybe some people take that space not all in one go, but in little chunks.
1: Yeah, I'm on. I'm in therapy twice a week and I'm on, on antidepressants. Like I'm not evolved in any way that like anyone else is. I don't want this to be the most depressing podcast ever. But for those of you who think we all have it together because we're on the cover of books and look like we know what's up like that's it's just not true. And anyone who sells you that is is full of shit like totally full of shit and you will spend your money to learn from those people I think learning skills from those people and practices from those people like you do is really important but if anybody says that like they're happy all the time or they have like a proven program for how to just like have the perfect life which like people pay for I think is a very dangerous thing and we all have to do the work on ourselves that is different for everybody that takes time that isn't like a breakthrough in a weekend where just your whole life you don't have to think about you know your past ever again like I I think that's a little bit of sweeping things under the rug so I guess if there's anything that comes out of my like depressive funk right now is that like one it's extremely normal and two no feeling is final um you're You're going to feel differently at some point. It's not going to last forever. And if you didn't have ups and downs, you probably wouldn't. It means you're dead, right? If you don't have questions, you're dead. If you have certainty, you're dead. That's just life and it sucks and it's easy to forget, but it's the unknown and the uncertainty that you know we have to embrace to grow and to sometimes just let things happen which is the scariest thing in the world and like i'm living in the uncertainty right now and that's okay because i've lived in lots of certainty and it was false and the the hope is that we find a place where we can live with the uncertainty and not be drowning in it and not you know be like in the dark but somehow living in in between, you know, what we think can happen, what we know can happen, and the fact that we really don't know what's going to happen.
0: Do you consider yourself a spiritual person?
1: I think vaguely. Like, I don't have a practice, and I feel like my nature is to be spiritual and to be really kind of wrapped up in the wonder of things and, like, a hummingbird can make my day. Like looking at a plant can make my day. Like eating a beautiful apple can like make my day and be like wow my life is really beautiful. But I don't I don't like wake up and do the same. I mean I try to exercise, but I don't I'm not meditating as much as I would like to I'm generally not talking to any god. I believe in a god or something or someone or an energy or whatever, but I don't have any answers and I don't have any solid beliefs, partially because I'm just an eternal skeptic. But believing something, even if it's arbitrary, I think can be probably a really healthy thing uh, because it grounds you. Even if you change your mind at some point, people are Buddhists and they're not Buddhists. And I think that's okay because it gives them a practice and a, a place to go that regardless of what your religion is or what it is that you're doing to access this it's ancient it's the same across all religions or no religion and it's something that people have done since the dawn of time to be grateful for what we have like relish in the wonder and the un, you know again the unknown and
0: no but i'm asking this now i have a smile on my face because even if you think that some of the things you're sharing is if they're they're depressing or, or anything or you're in a funk right now just listening to you speak puts a smile on my face because it's so refreshing to hear you talk and when you speak you're the world's most spiritual motivational speaker huh. just you don't know it <laughs> yeah cool cool uh, no, I gotta I write, write this really, down it's really it's really refreshing to to hear to hear you speak just totally as it is yeah. without having to sugarcoat anything and I think yeah. sometimes the idea of to be spiritual you have to do these certain things or you have to wake up at 4 a.m and you have to sit in meditation or you have to have a guru you have to you know it, it keeps a lot of people from the really beautiful things in life or from realizing that I'm a spiritual human being because I exist and I feel grateful for what I have right now in this mm-hmm. moment that's being a spiritual person or feeling in touch with something greater than 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 me that's it and I think you're doing it I mean Thanks. right here right now so yeah thank you for that
1: totally this is the first time anyone's interviewed me about anything like this so i think and i'm in a very like kind of introspective contemplative space so maybe you're catching me at a good good bad a good (laughs) bad time yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) good bad time okay so before we close tell me about girl boss and girl boss rallies i i'm dying to go to a girl boss rally and i i know it's something that my listeners would just freak out about <laughs>
1: yeah so the Girl boss rally this will be our fifth we're hosting it's a conference of sorts it's kind of like school for two days it's uh, gonna be at UCLA June 29th and 30th we're gonna have 2300 women and a hundred speakers in New York last year November we had we had 1300 women but from 31 countries and 40 states so it's pretty incredible how distributed our audience is and how diverse I met people from India and Japan and the Netherlands and Puerto Rico and Peru, everywhere. So it's really, it's a really, really special two days where mostly women are learning about how to level up their careers their businesses, their side hustles, their personal finances, their business finances, their personal brand and marketing, their businesses brand, Google Analytics, all of the above and also hearing from really inspirational speakers. So we have registration open right now. You can learn more at girlbossrally.com. And I've actually had a lot of the speakers on my podcast. A lot of the, the women who've spoken at our rallies have also been on Girl Boss Radio, which you're gonna be on. Which I'm really ex- Yes, I'm really excited, so excited about. Yeah. Trade tradesies.
0: <laughs> Crazy tradesies. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. It's a perfect week yeah, for that, it for is. Sure. Yeah, I hope one day I can make it to a rally for sure. It sounds like the perfect mix of everything that inspires us about you and Girl Boss. Well, thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, it's been a uh, it's been amazing talking to you. I hope maybe next time I'm in LA, I can drag you to a yoga class. A really good one. I would love one.
1: that. I would really love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Me too. Me too. Well, thank, thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Sophia. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. And thank you to my guest, Sophia Amoruso. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Of course, don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks to my sponsors, TransferWise, Bob's Red Mill, and ZipRecruiter. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.